You are listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange. Uh, today we are continuing our series called Just Tell Me Why. Just Tell Me Why. Uh, we've been answering and asking some pretty big why questions over the last few weeks. Maybe you've asked God a why question at some point in your life before. Uh, over the last few weeks, we've tackled some pretty big ones. Uh, in week one, back the week after Easter, we tackled the question, why does God allow bad things? We probably all asked or at least wondered that question at some point. Why does God allow bad, bad things? Week two, we addressed a really difficult question. Um, why does a loving God send people to hell? Why does a loving God send people to hell? We opened God's word and dove into that. And then last week, uh, maybe a question that you've asked before, why did God not answer my prayer? I prayed this, I believed this, I thought it made sense. God, why didn't you answer my prayer? And so if you've asked any of those why questions and maybe you missed part of our series, you can go back on our website or podcast and just man, listen to that teaching as God encourages your spirit and your faith journey. Uh, I want to ask you a question as we get started today, not asking you to respond, just kind of think about it internally. Um, but I'm curious, how many of you would admit, be honest enough, be aware enough um, to say that maybe uh, you, you have a bad habit? Maybe there's a hang up in your life, something that you, you wished you could change, you want to change, you'd love to change, you've tried to change, um, but you just maybe can't seem to break it. And maybe you've prayed once or 100 times, uh, God, would you just take this from me? God, would you, would you change me? God, would you help me to stop, to lay this down? Maybe you've done the old thing that like probably a lot of us have done. Like you negotiated with God. You've done that in the moment before. Like, God, I promise, okay, if you will do this, if you'll come through in this way, then I'll stop this, right? <laughs> Been there before. Uh, I'll, I'll lay this down. God, would you, just, would you help me to change? Would you help me to be different? And maybe you've made promises with God. And maybe at some point, like you did, like you, you stopped. You did change in whatever that way is for you. Um, you, you let it go. All right, only to pick that bad boy back up again, right? Whatever that thing is. And, and we, all, man, we all struggle in different areas of our life. Maybe for you, it was like a promise, like, you know what? I want, I want, um, I want cuss and lose my temper around my kids, all right? Because that man just comes out. I won't do that. And like, you, you made it all the way to church, okay? Nobody blew up on each other at church. And you made it to church, and you're like, we're all good. And then you got in the car, and you were five minutes from the house. And somebody cut you off in traffic, and somebody threw something from the back seat, and Boom, you broke right there, okay? I'm not saying raise your hand. I'm just saying it might have happened to somebody possibly ever before, right? And then you went home, okay, and you felt all depressed and shamed because you messed up, and it was the promise you made, and you broke the promise. And so then you just, like, you know, you do what our culture does to veg out now. I mean, you just went to the scroll, just mindlessly scrolling. Then you looked at all these things that made you feel worse about yourself. So then you went to the refrigerator, ate half of what was in the refrigerator, which made you cuss and lose your temper again, okay, right? And it's just, you know, we kind of laugh about that, but the reality is, man, we, we struggle to, to change. We go, God, I, I want to stop this or change this, or God, would you rearrange this in my life? But, but God, I, I, I'm, I'm struggling with that. And so that's why today's big why question is, is simply this. Why can't I change? Why can't I change? And let me just kind of say on the front end, um, first, if you have a copy of Scripture and you want to turn with me, we're going to be in Titus 2 a little bit today, and we'll also have some other verses of Scripture. But today, as we try to answer this question, why can't I change? Okay, some of you hear that, you're going like, well, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not an addict. I'm not struggling with this, okay? Um, so maybe the today isn't for me. But the reality is, 
all of us have some things inside of us, all right, or that may come out of us that, that need to be sanctified, that need to be changed to look more into the image of Jesus um, that God created us in. Ain't, ain't nobody arrived. Are you with me? Okay. Now, now, some of us, maybe it's something that's more public or more known. For some of us, maybe there's an internal battle um, that we're in. And so for all of us today, I think that this question of why, why can't I change, I mean, it, it addresses some, some battles and behaviors that all of us fight. So what's, what's really going on whenever you want to change, but you can't? You prayed, God help me, God, I promise this, but you can't seem to do it. Well, I would suggest that um, in a lot of cases, there are a lot of people who I, I maybe even believe they have the right intentions, but they just take the wrong strategy. Okay, and we're going to kind of dive into that a little bit today. What you're trying to do is I'm trying to change but really what we'll kind of begin to see is you're trying to change in the wrong way. Now, as we start our message today, I'll kind of go ahead and throw this disclaimer out. I want to acknowledge that today's message is going to be a little bit incomplete. All right, it's kind of really impossible for me to sort of address a theology of change, if you will, in about a little 30-minute block. And I figured y'all didn't want to be here till three, so I'm going to cut it off at some point. Um, but like, so it's going to be a little bit incomplete in some ways, but I still want us to dive into why, why haven't I changed? I want to change. Uh, and I would really say, as we get started, there's a, there's a lot of factors that come into this struggle to God change this, sanctify this, adjust this in me that can sometimes keep us stuck in this lifestyle or in these behaviors, in these patterns that we don't want to stay in. So I want to show you some things that I believe play into it, and then we're going to dig and uncover the root of what I really believe factors into so many of them. So um, why is it that we can't change? Um, for almost all of us, um, there are practical reasons why some of you can't change, okay? Just very practical, very simple. Um, why can't I change? Like for some of you, uh, your question is, why, why do I keep eating the wrong food, okay? Why, why can't I drop those 30 pounds that I want to drop? And the reality is, okay, Okay? It's because all you do is subject yourself to the wrong food. Okay, there's only so many times that you can hit the fast food drive-through in a week, all right, and still expect what you're doing on the elliptical or what you're not doing on the elliptical to take effect. Are you with me? Okay, all right. There's a balanced scale system here that we're working on, uh, and it's just you're always around the wrong food. For some of you, it's like, why am I? All, I'm always late to work. Like every day, I'm late. It's because you binge watch Netflix until 2 a.m. Okay, like let's just connect the dots here. It's not hard. Um, for some of you, set the alarm. Okay. Like it's on your phone, just set it. So there, there are some simple and practical reasons why, why some of us really can't step into the change that maybe we think God wants us to. Um, so there's practical reasons. There are also emotional reasons as well. Um, I believe that all of us, uh, whether you want to admit it or not, all of us have some emotional wounds in our life. We, we all have a, a level of baggage of unresolved issues that are maybe still working to heal that have not even been uncovered. And, and that emotional factor plays in, I believe, on some of us on why we can't change like we think we should change, like we feel like God's calling us to. Uh, there might be some practical reasons as well, practical, emotional, but there are also um, what we could call relational factors. There's some relational reasons why you and I can't fully change. And let me just say it real simple like this. It's really, really hard to get healthy when you're surrounded by unhealthy people, all right? And I'm not talking about the weight factor, okay? I'm saying it's really, really hard to live with the right mindset and the right motives when you, all you do is interact with people of the wrong mindset, all right? Maybe some of you are going, man, why do I keep, I'm battling this struggle with substance abuse. Why do I keep falling into that? And maybe it's because your three closest friends are using. Are you with me? Come on, okay? Some of you are like, why, why, why does like gossiping and negativity, it just always flows out of me. It's this battle and I can't change. 
but you're spending like multiple hours every day just scrolling social where people are bashing people and ranting and you're like, wow, I don't understand, okay? <laughs> garbage in, garbage out, all right? Are you with me, okay? There's some understanding of relational reasons when you surround yourself with people of the wrong mindset, it's going to be really hard for you to fight and go the opposite of that. And so there's, there's some practical reasons, emotional reasons, relational reasons. Um, I also think that we could put up there, um, there's some physical reasons, why, why some of us struggle to change, okay? We're, we're all made differently, and I believe for some of us, we're stronger in some areas, and then there's some areas of our life where we're weaker. And uh, we could dig down deep enough to probably figure out there's some neural pathways, some chemical imbalances that we have in our very broken bodies, temporary bodies that we live in, and they can play a factor into why you can't change maybe in whatever way that you're thinking about today. When we talk about change, there's a, there's a list of complications to it. It can be very complex, there could be practical, emotional, relational, physical, but I think at the heart of the issue, almost every single time, I would argue, there is a spiritual challenge. There's a spiritual challenge. At the heart of the reason why most people can't change, the root issue is often a spiritual issue. And many people, whether they are Christian, claim to follow Jesus, listen, or not, so many people are trying to meet a spiritual need with something besides God. That's the world that we live in today, okay? And we're, we are victims of that. They're looking for something to fill that void that we all have inside of us of joy, of purpose, of happiness, of peace, of whatever your thing is. And we're looking to fill it with something besides God, which ultimately leads us into a very destructive lifestyle. So today, we're going to talk about the spiritual element of change. Why can't you change? For so many people, the reason you can't change, I'm going to give you a statement, and then we're going to talk out of that statement for a little bit today, is this. You're focusing on the poison of religion, and you're forgetting the power of grace. Right? You can find yourself focusing on the poison of religion and forgetting the power of God's grace. So write that statement down. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. As you write that down, some of you, I know where your brain already is. You're going, hold on, preacher. You said poison of religion. Pastor, aren't you religious? We in church today, okay? And I would just say to you, actually, no, not at all, all right? Not, not at all. I'm, I'm not a religious person. In the world today, all right, when we think of the word religious, religion, typically we go, well, that's somebody who proclaims to be a Christian or they call themselves a churchgoer. But when you really begin to drill down, and we're going to do it a little bit today, when you really begin to drill down to the root word of religion, it's really actually something that I don't really want to have anything to do with. And hopefully by the end of the day, you'll begin to see some of that as well. And so maybe for you, maybe you're not like a big church person and you would say, you know what, I don't like religion. And I would just say like, I'm with you today. Some of you go, I, man, I can't stand because, man, church and hypocrisy. And, and li listen, Jesus said in not so many words, he says, I don't really like religious acting and hypocrisy. Jesus wasn't down with religion. And we'll look at some scripture in a moment to back that up. So what, what is religion? As we understand the poison of religion, the power of grace in this desire for us to change, let me give you a statement to kind of understand what is religion. Well, religion is this. Religion is our attempt to earn God's approval by following all the rules. Yeah. Write that down. Let's talk about that for a moment. Religion is our attempt to earn God's approval by following all the rules. It's our attempt to please God or to earn God's love or to get in God's favor by obeying the law. Essentially, here's what it is. It's us trying to please God without God. It's you and me trying to live a life that pleases God without God. And the reason a lot of us can't change is because we're trapped by religion 
and we're failing to realize the power of God's grace. I want to show you a powerful verse out of Titus chapter 2, where maybe you turn to. If not, we'll put some scripture on the screen. And I believe as, as Paul writes this verse, he speaks directly to this power of grace in a call to change. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, look at it. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Let's just pause there for a moment and say, that's the most amazing news, okay, that we will ever hear. Right there. The grace of God offers salvation to all people. And if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been walking in a relationship long enough, then hopefully you understand it's not your works that get your way to God. It's not your good church attendance or when you stopped this habit or picked up that habit. Listen, like we are saved by grace and the grace of God offers salvation to all people. It's by grace through faith. Our sins are forgiven by grace. We're accepted by grace. We're loved by grace. And it says we're saved by grace and grace makes salvation, look at this, available to anybody. You see that? The grace of God offers salvation to who? To all people. And man, listen, there's no better message that we preach today than that. So that means that there's, doesn't matter how bad you are, doesn't matter what, what season of addiction you may have lived in, doesn't matter how polluted your thought life is, the grace of God offers salvation available to all. God's grace is available to all, Titus says. So what is grace? We like that word. Maybe we know somebody named Grace. The coffee mug says Grace, but like, what is it? In its truest essence, what is it? Well, the Greek word that's translated um, as Grace is the word karis, okay? Karis. You got to say it um, kind of like you're hawking a loogie. All right, remember that, junior high? Is that a little gross? Okay, sorry. Uh, we, don't act like you've never done that. Okay, karis, karis, all right? What, what is that word karis, Grace? What does that mean? Well, here's a little simple definition to help us understand. Grace means the unmerited goodwill and favor of God. Understand that. Listen to me. It's, it's unmerited. It's unearned. It's God's favor. It's God's strength. And the good news is, here's the great news, it's always a gift. It's a gift of God to us. You can never be good enough to earn it. Ain't, ain't no church attendance get you to the grace mark. Okay, it's a gift of God. You can't do enough to earn it that we're saved by grace. Now watch this. Here's the tension. You ready? Here, here we're about to go today. There, there will be those of you, there's many of you who you know that. Saved by grace? Absolutely. Let's go. Ephesians 2. Here we go. I'm saved by grace, and I know that. Then what many Christians seem to think is, I'm saved by grace, and God forgives me, and now it's on me. All right? Now, man, now that I, I'm in Christ, all right, man, I got to buck up, got to strengthen up, lean in, check the boxes, do all the things so that I can stay in that grace and God got to continue to love me, that I grow who, who I need to be. And, and kind of in this silly way, like we get like this Christian face, right? Oh, what are you? I'm a Christian, okay? Right? And I'm, I'm what, are you, what are you doing? Man, I'm just trying, just trying to get it all together, okay? Man, I got baptized and I'm trying, I'm trying to be a Christian, okay? What, no, like what are you trying to, try not to cuss, okay? Kids might want to cuss, try not to cuss, all right? Well, I'm trying not to lust, Ooh, try not to lust, all right? Kind of looks like you're trying to go to the bathroom, okay? But... <laughs> I'm saying like, we, it may not look like that out here, but I'm saying it gets like that in here and it does right here. Oh, I got to hold it together, right? The grace that saves me and now it's up to me. Let me give you this transforming statement today. The grace that saves you is also the grace that sustains you. 
You need to write that down, okay? The grace that saves you, yes, is also the grace that sustains you. It's not just a saving grace, but it's the sustaining grace of God. And the same grace of God that forgives you is also the same grace of God that frees you. I want to show you the power of God's grace in, in Titus 2 one more time. Look back at it. Why can't I change? Well, watch what Scripture says. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. That's good news today. Verse 12, let's add that. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Did you catch that? What, what did it say? It says it teaches us to do what? To say no to something that's displeasing to God. It teaches me to say no to my fleshly passions. It teaches me to say no and helps me live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life. What, what is the it? What, what is the it that helps me do that? Well, let me tell you what it's not. It, it's not the rules. It's not the law. It's not the religion. It's not you trying to do the right thing before an angry God who might squish you like a bug if you don't do it the right way. Some of us believe that. What it is, is it's the grace of God. Titus says the grace of God that teaches us to say no. The grace that saves us is the grace that then sustains us in the sanctifying journey that we're all on. And so we could say it this way. What enables you to say no, what enables you to change is not your grit, but it's his grace. It's not your strength but it's the strength of his spirit alive in you. The grace that saves you is also the grace that sustains you. But the struggle is so often we're focused on the wrong thing, right? We get captivated by the poison of religion and we misunderstand or neglect the power of God's saving and sustaining grace. So what I want to do is I want, I want to talk about how, how does God's grace change us? How does it empower us to change, to be different, to let go, to stop that. So let's do that. I want to contrast religion and grace, okay? So we're going we're gonna to put them on the scale together, and I want you to see how God's grace leads you to change. So let's first contrast um, the focus. What's the focus of religion? The focus of religion is outward. The focus of religion is outward. It's what other people see. It's the face we show, maybe on a Sunday, maybe at the grocery store, maybe at work. It's the outward effort to be right with God. So we say and do things like this. Outwardly, I'm going to stop yelling at my kids. Outwardly, I'm going I'm to stop smoking. I'm going to stop turning to the bottle. Outwardly, I'm not going to be addicted anymore. Outwardly, I'm going to stop scrolling. I'm going to stop um, overspending and maxing out the credit card. Whatever, whatever that outward thing is, I'm going to focus on this and I'm going to change it. And that's where so many of us live. But listen to me, the focus of religion is always outward. But Jesus, he addressed some dangers of living on the focus of the outward. And, and he speaks it in Matthew chapter 23. Look at this verse on the screen, Matthew 23, 25. Jesus said, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. Okay, some good church going people in that day. Woe to you. And then he says, you hypocrites, you, you religious actors. 
He says, you, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish of who you are, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Verse 26, blind Pharisee first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. What's the problem? Why can't we change? Because the focus of religion is what? I mean, we focus on the outward. How can I change that behavior, that thing in my life? But catch this, the power of grace is always inward. Religion focuses on the outward, but the power of God's saving and sustaining grace, listen to me, is always inward. I love it how, how Paul vocalized it. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, Paul's praying for the church at Ephesus. And I want you to see this little nugget of truth. As Paul prays in Ephesians 3, 16, look at this. He says, I pray that from his glorious and unlimited resources, he, talking about God, that he will empower you, church at Ephesus, with what? With inner strength through his spirit. Religion focuses on the outward, but Paul says, man, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit of God that is alive in you would begin to change you from the inside out. Recently, I was talking to a man who's a part of our exchange family. He's a a husband, uh, a dad, really um, successful at his job. And he began to say, um, Brian, this is not who I always used to be. And he began to tell me about the old him. And he said, man, in, in my old life, I, I mean, I lived for me. It was, it was whatever I wanted. That was my priority. And he said, and I, I chased whatever pleasure um, I thought would bring me joy or bring me a level of happiness or peace. And it, and it, and it affected, man, how I went to work. Um, it affected how I abused money. It was all an effort to get a little more so I could make a little more so I could get more. And he said, and it began, to ch- it began to change and affect everything in my life. But I, I finally came to that point where I realized I, I needed to change. My, my wife wanted me to change. I knew that change was the right thing. And, and he said, I, I tried to change. I tried to change on my own. I tried to change. So I even came to church some, right? Tried to do some of the church stuff and hoping if I could do this stuff on the surface, like it would change what was inside of me. But he said, but, but nothing really changed. But see, recently, he began to understand the power of God's saving and sustaining grace. And he began to understand the power of, of trusting God, and he connected his life with other people, other believers, other men who were studying and growing in God's Word. And he began to understand God's Word, and he began to pray, not because he needed other people to pray with him, but because he could pray on his own. And he began to understand what it looked like to surrender and to serve other people, that life's not about him, but it's about giving life. And he began to serve other people with his time and his resources um, physically and with his energy and, and, and everything that God had given him. And he, he began to understand, listen to me, not religious activity, but he began to understand the power of grace and surrender and what God had done for him. Not church, but relationship. He said, and when I did, Brian, everything changed. I'm talking about everything. So my marriage became different. Um, what I took pleasure in was different. My perspective when I went to work was different. How I viewed money was different. Everything changed, and everything became new in me. Listen to me. What happened? He began to realize that he, he, he could not and he did not have the power to change himself. But he began to realize 
when the saving and sustaining grace of Jesus becomes where I live out of, everything changes. See, the, the focus of religion is always outward. Change behavior modifications. But Jesus does not offer grace that teaches you to say no. And it starts on the inside. And it begins to work its way out. Let's look at an, another difference, okay? Religion focuses outward. Grace works inward. What does religion say versus what does grace say? Well, here it is. Religion says try harder. That's the voice of religion. Try harder. You, you heard that before? Like, or you felt that inwardly before? Try, come on, buck up. Try harder. Man up. Get it together. You need to stop. Religion says try harder, but watch this. But grace says trust more. Grace says, trust more. Religion says, try harder. Grace says, trust more. In other words, grace says, I'm not trying. I'm not living in my power anymore. But I'm, I'm living in the power of God in me. And I love it how Paul prayed it. And you've heard this prayer before, 2 Corinthians 12. He was praying. He was struggling. He was losing internally. And here's what God spoke into him. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. He says, Paul said, or God said to Paul, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My what is sufficient? My, my grace, my saving and sustaining grace is sufficient for you. And then Paul began to realize that for my power, God's power is made perfect in what? In my weakness. I think Paul began to get it. He says, I get it now. I'm not strong when I'm strong. That's what culture says. But Paul said, no, I'm actually, when God is strong through me is when I'm at my strength. And and that's actually how I begin to change. When it's his grace and his strength in me and not me trying harder, but me beginning to trust more. Man, here's, here's where I, I pray for you today that, that everything begins to connect. And all of this understanding of the poison of religion and the power of grace, the minute collides, and I, I think for man, somebody or a room full of people or a handful of people, Today, God wanted you to hear this, that when you really, listen, when you really trust God's grace, that he loves you and you are only made right by his grace. It's not your good church attendance or not. It's not your stop cussing or not. It's not your, your good merits. But when you realize that it's his grace that saves you and sustains you, and you also begin to realize that it's his grace, his unlimited grace that offers unconditional love in your life. His grace saves you and his grace sustains you. Hear me, listen to me. From that point of spiritual security and of spiritual strength, then you can be honest. Then you can be honest. You don't have to act like you have it all together anymore. You don't have to act like everything's perfect out here when in here it ain't. And when you understand that the, the grace that saved you, Ephesians 2, is also the grace that sustains you, Titus 2, you can, you can be honest. You can be real. And you can be honest with God. <clears throat> and you can be honest with other people. And you go, why, why does that matter? Why would I want to do that? Because you're only as strong as you are honest. And for some of us, getting to that place of honesty is really, really hard. But when you recognize that the same grace that saved you 
two years ago, 20 years ago, is the same grace that can sustain you, then you can be honest enough to take what's in the dark in your life and you can begin to bring it into the light. To say, actually, I do have a struggle. Actually, there is a problem. Actually, there is an area that keeps tripping me up. And that is when change really starts to happen. When what's in the dark moves to what's in the light. Can I, can I just be real today? Listen to me. Sin that lives in the dark does not get healed in the dark. Sin multiplies in the dark. But God today wants you to hear, no matter how dark it is, no matter how big the monster is, listen to me, that the same grace that saves you can sustain you and can teach you, Titus 2, to be honest enough to ask for help. I want to pause for a moment because, listen to me, this, this is the moment where for some of you, man, as I prayed for you today, this, this is the moment of truth for you. Where you didn't just come to church or do church. But God met you because he knew your story and he knows your life better than anybody. And this is the moment of truth for you where you go, I don't want to pretend anymore. And I don't want to act like it's all together out here when it's not in here. And um, I really want to change. Like, I, I really want to be different. And it's incredibly risky. Let's acknowledge it. It's incredibly risky to be vulnerable in an area of your life that you're not real proud of. But the only way that you can really do it, hear me, is when you're secure in the grace of God in your life. And then you have the courage to say, I need help. I need some wisdom. All right? Any 12-step program will tell us what. But the first step is acknowledging that there is an issue and that we can't do it on our own. So how do you know today? How do you know if you have a problem? Well, if more than one person has told you that you have a problem, you probably have a problem. And if today you're living with some weight of shame or secrecy, that you got to keep covering up and running around and hiding behind, chances are you got a problem. But God wants you to know today that the freeing power of his sustaining grace. And maybe for you, this, this is the moment. If you've experienced the grace of God, then he today gives you the strength to be honest, to admit it. And you have to admit it. Because you can't correct what you're not willing to confront. And today, maybe you admit that I need help. And here, listen, I know, like we live in a culture that says, well, man, why are you going to ask for help, right? Don't, don't that mean you're weak? And I would just say today that asking for help is never a sign of weakness, but it's actually a sign of wisdom. Asking for help is, is it's never a place of weakness, but it always comes from a place of wisdom. So why can't? I change. Whatever, whatever it is for you. Um, stress eating, mindlessly scrolling, wasting your life away, only looking at stuff that just depresses you more. Why can't you change the outburst of anger or the 
struggle with the lustful things that keep coming into your mind and your eyes or overspending. Listen, whatever it is for you, whatever that struggle, that hang-up is that you've prayed and you've promised and you've negotiated with God, but you still can't change it, listen to me. Why can't I change it? Why can't I change it? Hear me. I can't tell you completely because it's complicated. But I can promise you today that at the root of it is probably a big spiritual challenge. And there's a spiritual struggle at the core of all of us that we fight. And maybe for you, you're struggling to be transformed by the grace of God. And for you, you're struggling to trust God because, listen, you don't want to lose control. Or maybe for you, you just feel alone or you're depressed or left out or you feel empty on the inside. And it's this battle with fear and anxiety. Can we just say it this way to maybe give you something tangible to think about as you, you wrestle with that? For so many of us, you're trying to meet a need or relieve a hurt with something besides the grace of God. You're trying to, to meet a need in your life or you're trying to relieve a hurt that you struggle with with something besides the saving and the sustaining grace of God. So what do you do? When you can't, you can't stop, you can't change, the problem's still there, and then it gets worse, and the voice creeps inside of you like it has in all of us. It's like, do better, do better. You need to stop, buck up, man up. Be the woman that God's called you to be. Do better, do better. Listen to me. Recognize today, realize that that's the voice of the poison of religion, and you're not hearing the power of God's loving and sustaining grace. Can I give you some good news today in the midst of a weighty word that maybe somebody needed to hear? Can I give you good news today as Paul spoke this? Look at this verse, Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Paul said it this way. He says, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. It exposed what was broken inside of us. But here's the good news. But where sin increased, hello, grace increased all the more. Paul says, wherever there's more sin, there's more grace. Wherever there's more temptation, there's more grace. Where there's shame, there's more grace. Where there's loneliness or brokenness or hurt, God's grace abounds. The good news is, Paul said it earlier, his grace is always enough. And get it right, it's not a license to sin more, but it's the sustaining power when and where we are weak. And the grace of God is exactly what you need. And God's word gives us that promise that God is always faithful. And in the moment of need, of hurt, of struggle, of trip up, God's grace is faithful. And he will always provide what? A way out. And I'm just trying to help us understand today that grace is that way out. That God's grace that saved you is also God's grace that will give you a way out. And the great news today is that God's grace doesn't just forgive, but God's grace also frees us. But you don't change by trying harder. Buck up. But we change by trusting more. And you're not going to fix it by trying to adjust that outward behavior. Fix that thing in me. Stop doing that. But you only begin to change when the transforming grace of Jesus starts here. The same grace that saved you is the grace that sustains you and empowers you to walk in the freedom and the victory only available through Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from The Exchange. 
If you would like to talk to someone about your faith journey, you can contact us through our website, www.theexchange.cc, or by calling or texting 601-397-6111. Now let's go be the church.